Welcome to the Vault Studios NFL Podcast, an Australian twist on all things NFL. The boys are cracking into a nice cold beer from Burnley Brewing. Let's join them. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. JA here after a couple of weeks off. Um, I'm not going to lie, we had some technical difficulties over a couple of weeks, but third time lucky and we are we are back and raring to go. Um, I don't have DJ Jules or Richie with me tonight. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go into a quick um, XFL preview with Regan. So we're going to talk to him, talk all things XFL, and then Tyson will be coming on. Uh, Tyson Beattie, I'm not sure if you guys remember, we did a podcast special with him, ex-Indiana Hooser, he'll be a special co-host tonight. Uh, so I just wanted to quickly touch base before we get into it and you just apologize for the last couple of weeks obviously it was my intention to bring out um a a podcast every week but yeah unfortunately due to technical areas we couldn't get it done but i did release a youtube video um about free agency and franchise tags so you know coming into this time of the year that's something everyone should go to so go to our youtube page uh, which is the vault studio and uh check it out but yeah it was wasn't a very long video just a quick explanation about the basics of um types of free agents and uh, types of franchise tags so it should help you guys out if your team's thinking of you know being active in free agency or if you've got guys out of contract what sort of contract they're out of um, but without further ado we'll do a quick break and then we'll get into Regan to talk XFL The Vault Studio would like to thank our sponsor Burnley Brewing for providing the beer Head down to 648 Bridge Road, Richmond for a delicious meal and fresh beer if you are ever in Melbourne. Thanks again to everyone at Burnley for their support. Joining me now, we have our XFL expert, Regan Scholes. How are you, buddy? Pretty good, J.A. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I've had a bit of technical difficulties the last couple of weeks, so I'm glad to be back in the studio recording. I'm sure you're glad to be back on as well. Oh, it's, it's just good to talk to somebody about some XFL football. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we've had a couple of weeks off. So what we thought, I thought we'd do tonight is we'll just launch straight into kind of, you know, how the season's been faring so far. Um, you know, who's who's the best teams at the moment. And let's start in the XFL West where uh, the cream of the crop right now are the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah, so the Roughnecks, they're out to a pretty hot start, undefeated so far in a, in a 10-week season is... Still pretty good, even though they've only played four games. But they've pretty much made a mockery of all their opponents so far. Um, even the game yesterday or the day before, they're, they're just a class above the rest of the league. Yeah, okay. What what do you reckon the big reason is for that? Um, two people easily. Uh, it's got to be their wide receiver, Cam Phillips. He's leading the league with seven touchdowns already. And uh, Philip Walker, which I'm pretty sure everyone's seen the highlights of him. I think he's he's nearly at a thousand yards through the air already. Twelve touchdowns. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be early to say it, but I'm pretty sure he's gonna be on a roster in the NFL come the end of the season. Well, you'd hope so. You'd hope a guy like that gets an opportunity because this is the whole point of this league is that you know guys like that can get the opportunity, and it's great to see you know a young guy get going and. Um, we'll, we'll like we'll discuss him when we get to kind of the statistics. How do the playoffs work for the XFL? Um, so I haven't really focused on that too much, just because I've been doing the whole week to week stuff. But it goes down to so if there's a tiebreaker in case of win loss record seeds for the playoffs, um, home team championship game, the following chart of tiebreakers sort of goes down to head to head games in the east or the west. So whoever's got the best and the worst there. Um, total points, similar to the NFL, 
Um, but my favourite one is the uh, is the final one. So, so all the entire list, they actually decide on a coin toss. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how fans will react to that one after a, after a long 10, 10 game season on who goes to the playoffs, deciding on a heads or tails call. So is it basically is it the top two teams from each division play each other? Is that how it's going to work for the final, or is there actually a playoff series? Um, I believe it. I believe yeah, it is the top two from each each division. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying. Yeah. It's actually really the, the websites. It's good, but it's really hard to find information. Like, it's the worst thing to navigate. Yeah, it's like I guess you just when you get so used to the like the NFL, you know, the NFL website and ESPN and that it's just completely different. It's very basic compared to them, which makes it really hard to find, um, which is fine. All right, let's get over. Anyone else in here? Do you think can they challenge the Roughnecks, or are they going to win the the West pretty comfortably? Um. I want to say the Renegades, but we'll talk, we'll talk about them later on why I don't think they're going to make it anymore. But sitting comfortably, I reckon, yeah, the Roughnecks are in a pretty good spot to get to the championship game at least. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and then you've got the XFL East, who currently you've got the St. Louis Battlehawks at 3-1. and one. The DC Defenders are just behind 2-2. Two and two. New York Guardians are also 2-2. Two and two. And then the Tampa Bay Vipers down the bottom at 1-3. and three. Uh, the, the Battlehawks right now look to be the cream of the crop. They've won two in a row. DC Defenders started hot, but they're on a two-game losing streak, losing to some, you know, some lower-level teams. So you think St. Louis going to run away with this? Um, yeah, unless DC finds their magic next week, because they actually, those two actually play each other next week, so that's going to be something I'll be keeping an eye on. But the Defenders actually put up a big zero against the Vipers this week, so... It's going to be pretty surprising there on how the ladder's going to go at the end of the season. But as, as you just said, Battlehawks, it's pretty much their game to play as well. So, again, yeah. I look forward to them in the championship game. Well, we, yeah, we'll, we'll know a lot more after they play each other this week because that'll all but decide. Like, really, how many games do they play? Seven games? Is it eight, eight games? Uh, ten. Ten games. So, at that point, if Battlehawks win that, they'd be four and one and a three-game lead on anyone else in the division. It'd be tough with only you know five games left to to lose that. But yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, all right, let's get over. Let's just discuss some of the you know the players that have been standing out. We did talk about Philip Walker. Let, let's continue to talk about him. Clearly, just the, the cream of the quarterback crop at the moment for this league. You've already said he's going to be on a roster. Um, what for people who aren't watching the XFL, you know. Obviously, in XFL terms, does this guy remind you of anyone? Is there any sort of comparison to an N- to an NFL player? Um, I'd have to say he's the XFL versions Patrick Mahomes comfortably. Okay. Yeah, just the way he's. If you if you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's able to make a throw out of nowhere, and you're left, how the hell did he make that throw? And each week, I've been watching Philip Walker make that kind of throw maybe four or five times each game. Yeah. Okay. So. so- He's got that sort of, yeah. you know, elite arm talent. He's clearly a good athlete because uh, he's, you know, he, he moves around in the pocket very well. I, I remember watching him the first game of the season, watching him and thinking he played pretty well. But you look at his game spreads, he's thrown, touchdown-wise, he's thrown four, three, three, and two. Um, thrown for, you know, about 250 yards a game. Runs the ball reasonably well. Not a lot, but when he has to, he can. But, you know, only the two interceptions right now, 12 touchdowns. Um, you know, only four games. It's it's looking pretty good for him. Guy, he's 
at a Temple, which is not a massively known college, but still a Division One college. But um, it's good to see a guy like this get in and play really well in this league because this, this is what this league's all about, if you ask me, finding young talent that can then go and try and compete for NFL spots. Well, it's actually um, pretty funny because Andrew Luck, um, everybody knows Oliver Luck, how he's pretty much the main guy. Andrew Luck told his dad, hey, you need to get this guy on a roster. He's going to light up the league and and just look at that knowledge that Andrew sort of passed on that sort of helped this league get viewers in that retrospect. Yeah. Look, the other guy I, I, I'd like to discuss, and we discussed him in our preview show, which was the first show we did, um, Jordan Tamu, who not only is he second in the league in passing yards at just under 900 yards, he's also um, fifth in the league in rushing yards with almost 200. Uh, this guy's <laughs> just proving how good an athlete was, and it's something that, that you said you know, early in the piece that this guy's going to really surprise some people. He's also on the on the St. Louis Battlehawks, so they're one of the top teams in the East as well. So seems to be putting together a pretty good season as well. This guy got a chance to be on an NFL roster? I want to I want to say yes, but going back to the AAF, a lot of teams didn't really want to give these guys much of a shot, so it's going to be hard for him. But the best thing that's going to help Jordan Tamu if he keeps up this pace is his age. He's only 22 years old, so... For teams like the Buccaneers or even the Chargers, I could actually see him ending up at the Chargers really well now I say that. Um, he's got the ability to change the game through the air and through the ground, as you can see. He's, as you said, he's fifth in the league in rushing as well. So, Yeah, and, and the, the way the NFL is going now, you know, you look at the younger quarterbacks coming in, Teams want guys that can move. They don't. Want, they want guys when the play breaks down, they can make something happen. And I, look, I, I know the XFL is clearly not the same standard as the NFL, but there are a lot of good players in it. And this guy is playing really well. I think he at least deserves an opportunity to tr- to try and get onto a roster. Absolutely, he's definitely. I, he's going to have a workout for sure. Yeah. Um, even if it's a even if it's a backup role, he's he's definitely going to be on a roster for sure. You know, the next thing that that jumps out to me is you've got. Two running backs in the top three on the same team. That's Devian Smith and Jax Patrick. That's Devian Smith's number one with 296. And Patrick has got 231 yards sitting at third spot. Yet the Tampa Bay Vipers are one of the worst teams in the league. How is the team that's running the ball the best one of the worst in the league? Just their defense and their, their coaching. Um, Mark Trestman, like just watching him, has just been an absolute... Pretty much, I'm, I don't know if I can swear on the podcast there, J.A. But no, all good. Fruitless. Okay, he's been a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, not, not playing the right quarterbacks, not not playing the right defense, and if they're down in the first quarter, that's pretty much then done for the game. Yeah, okay, so, so that's what that's what's hurting them at the moment. Um, and then you talk about, <laughs> we talk about, obviously, the... Uh, so who's the team that's leading the league? I'm having a mental blank. Philip Walker's team? I can't, Houston Roughnecks, sorry. Talk about, I, I forgot what their first name was. We talk about Houston. They've also got Cam Phillips, who's leading the league in receiving. Look, it's not a surprise that the team with the quarterback with the most passing yards has a receiver with the most passing yards, but he's a fair jump ahead. It's sitting at 333 yards in four games, which is pretty impressive. That's Cam Phillips. Yeah, I, if, I had to, if I had to draw him to an NFL player, I'm going to have to say young Antonio Brown. Just his ability to get away from not even one defender, but two defenders, and just it looks like it's just him playing on the field by himself. He's also got seven touchdowns already, which in four games is is a hell of a lot. 
Uh, <laughs> his yards after catch are really high. That's got the, you look at his average, fifteen point nine average. That's huge. He's got the twenty one catches on thirty one targets. Again, that's that's a really good stat line. Um, this is a guy that you know seems to be finding his own in the league and benefiting from some good quarterback play and, and obviously some good coaching going on there as well. Yeah, I I definitely did a blunder. I didn't pick Houston to be this good in the end. Um, but yeah, their their coaching, their players, everything surprised me. Even their fans selling out the stadium is pretty good as well. Yeah, do, do you know what is amazing me the most is they're actually. I remember us talking about these guys, and they didn't have a ton of NFL talent. Like that was one no. thing you kind of looked at and thought, "All right, you know, where's their where's their NFL talent?" Do you think that's something to go by in this league that you're better off going with young, hungry guys that haven't had that NFL chance over guys that have been in the NFL, maybe not worked out, and maybe possibly aren't as hungry? Like I'm just looking at their roster now, like. Connor Cook's really the only guy that jumps out to me. Obviously, Sammy Coates is there, but he hasn't been that good for them. It's been all about Cam Phillips. Like, Sammy Coates has been fine, but you look at that, like, there's just not a, a ton of guys that, are, you know, Coney Ailey may be there, but really, this looks like one of the teams that has the least amount of NFL talent. Do you think there's something to that in terms of building a better team? I think so, especially in this, um, I hate to say it, but it is a developmental league. I, I, you're able to mould the players a little bit easier. Because I think once they hit the NFL, they, they kind of get in the head that, I I mean, I'm not a player, but they sort of get the idea that I'm a little bit too good for this league. So That's what I reckon. Well, that's that's, that's what shows up. Yeah, like, I think that the way, and this might this is where if we can get this league to hang around for a while, um, which hopefully we can, unlike the, you know, the, the AAF, they can hang around yeah. for a while. That might be the way that teams go instead of you know, maybe getting just one or two veteran-style NFL guys who aren't trying to get back into the NFL necessarily, just trying to continue their career, you know, knowing their NFL career is kind of kind of over and they're just trying to and they you can bring them in as kind of leaders and experience and then just put a bunch of young, hungry players around them that are trying to just get just get noticed enough for an opportunity. I think that kind of seems to me which would be the better way to build a team. It would be the better way to keep guys, you know, playing hard for you anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean most of these guys, I think I read an article yesterday. I think the average age is like twenty-four. Yeah, so that's exactly what you want, though. Like that's that's exactly how they how they want it to be, which is which is awesome. Uh, we'll just finish up. I just want to discuss quickly um, New York Guardians. They seem to be up there with the sack totals. They've got the number one, the number two, and the number four sack getters with you know two and a half, two and two respectively with Wes Sutton, Jarrell Owens, and Kevon Walker. This is a, is this a team that's kind of hanging around because they look. Like they're not dominating, but they're two and two. They're on a they're on a one game win streak, so they've gone they've the one one lost one, one one lost one. Um, do you think they're a team that could maybe step up on the back of a, of a, what looks like a pretty good defense? Yeah, absolutely. After um after a couple of good weeks, I think their defense has not lacked at all. It's always been their offense. Um, Matt McGloin, everyone's everyone's heard of him before. Um, Recently, the Guardians made a change at quarterback, putting in Luis Perez. If oh, the, a- the AAF star. I remember Luis Perez. Yeah. He's the one that got yeah. drilled. Remember when he got drilled in the AAF? Yeah. Massive <laughs> tackle on him. I didn't actually realize he was only 25. I thought he was like 30-something. When I first yeah, okay. Seen All right, so they've gone with um, they've gone with so, a younger guy. He, yeah, he's, he's definitely changed their offense now. So with their defense pretty much 
owning the owning the trenches and the offense now catching up, I actually think the Guardians might might jump into that second spot. Yeah, okay. And sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, beautiful. All right, well, let's um obviously we'll we'll catch up weekly now as as we plan to before you know my computer decided to to not work for a few weeks. Um, what's just like we're we're pretty much at mid season, a little bit early. You, what's your predictions for kind of the MVP, Philip Walker? Would that be safe to say that he's kind of going to run away with that award? You think? Uh, it's either going to be Philip Walker or Jordan Tamu. Yeah, Jordan he's... Tamu. If the team can start, you know, getting a bit better, which they're playing pretty well, um, and he can keep going with the stats, like it's only going to take one of them to drop off, and I think it's it's pretty much their award to get one of those two. It's a bit of a two horse well, race yeah, there. The Battle Hawks only loss of the season was to Houston. Yeah. So... Okay. So. It's a, it should be it should be a good one there. And what about the team to beat? Is it just is it only those two that can really step it up? Only Houston and um, and Seattle. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty much their league at the moment. Unless the Guardians, as I said, keep trending up, they're the only ones I'd probably keep an eye on. And you think the the DC Defenders, you, you're off them. You don't think they can turn it back around? <laughs> I, I did put I put money on them at the start of the season and uh, on a two game losing streak and. Losing very, very badly last week to the Vipers, uh, I kind of want my money back. <laughs> yeah, it's all going to come down to this week against St. Louis, isn't it? If they can win that game somehow, who knows? They can maybe turn their season around, but I think we'll know more next week in, in, in regards to that one. They've definitely got a tough schedule coming up for sure. They've got, um, they got the Battle Hawks, and then they've got Dallas, who stat-wise, they don't have the best defense, but watching them play... They they don't let up much points to play with at all. So that's two very tough games coming up. So they really need to win those to sort of stay in the hunt. Yeah, cool. All right, mate. Thanks a lot for coming on tonight. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. And yeah, everyone, tune into the XFL. Right. Give us give us your plugs, Regan. Let, let us know where everyone can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So on Twitter, I'm at XFL down under. Can't miss it. Uh, Slowly approaching a thousand followers, so it'd be great if everyone could jump on there and talk some football with me. No, that's awesome, mate. Well done. You've worked really hard on that, and it's 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 really coming together. And uh, to be honest, I've, I'm constantly catching it with um with, with updates. So everyone, get onto Twitter, give it a follow, and and help out Regan and mate. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you next week. Not a problem. Have a good one, mate. See you later. If you want to help support the studio, please sign up to our Patreon. Head to www.patreon.com forward slash The Vault Studio and choose from a $1 or $5 a month sub. Also, check out our once-off $100 special where we will make a podcast on whatever you want. The power is yours. All right, thanks again to Regan for that XFL update. I'm now joined by Tyson Beatty, ex-Indiana Hooser. If you haven't heard the podcast Myself and Tyson did a few weeks back. Um, going and tuning in, and we talk about his story, where he's from. But tonight he's wearing a different hat. His first ever co-host of the NFL podcast. Thanks for coming on, Tyson. Oh, thanks for having me, Jay. I'm I'm a little bit nervous. I'm I'm excited, but um, ready to go. Trust me, there is absolutely zero to be nervous about. <laughs> weren't you commenting? Weren't you commentating an AFL game the other night? 
Uh, yes, no, I was doing some some ground announcing and do some commentary of, of footy over here in the West, but uh, you guys set a high standard, so yeah, it's a lot to live up to. <laughs> you know how to get back on. This is good. This is good. I like this. Um, all right, so we're going to talk some news. Uh, we'll have a couple of points, and then we'll get into the quarterback carousel, which we've been excited. We've missed. A, we've been waiting a couple of weeks to talk this. I haven't taken it off the rundown because I really want to discuss all the quarterbacks for the free agency. Um, but let's start. Obviously, over the last couple of weeks, the NFL Combine's been going on. Uh, we discussed this before we recorded. I think if you're a big NFL fan, the Combine's kind of a bit overrated. I don't know. How do, how do you feel about it, Tyce? You can do more damage than, than good pretty much in the in the Combine if you're already in the first round or if you're close to the first or second round. You can really do some damage to yourself. But you can also help yourself if you have slid. Probably the guy that stands out the most um, just in terms of what he's been able to do is probably Justin Herbert, the, the Oregon quarterback. I, I think a few teams are starting to sit up and think, oh, maybe he's a little bit more gifted than than we thought, even though he's sort of expected to be in that sort of mid-first round and you know, possibly the Chargers and the Panthers and Buccaneers and that sort of thing. But I think he might be probably – he could even slip into the top 10. Yeah, and I think that... and, and there's all this shuffle that we'll talk about a bit later, but he's one that stood out. Yeah, and I think like, – I watched his tape – um, you know, just the, the passing drills. And I know there's no defenders and I know they've all got good arms, but don't you think he just looks effortless? Yeah, he absolutely does. And I think he he also did pretty well in his 40-yard dash. Not that that's a huge deal for predominantly a pocket passer, but just that little bit of extra athleticism. You know, you look at a guy like him and I mean, he's streets ahead of a guy like Jake Fromm, who's probably going to fall into the third or fourth round. And maybe a year or two ago, he was a first-round pick for sure. Yeah. So... There's a lot of movement. The other guy that I thought that really st- still seems like he's slipping under the radar is that Jonathan Taylor, the Wisconsin running back, you know, all-time leading rusher at, at the Badgers, and that's that's pretty phenomenal given who they've had there in the past. But he had a 4.3940, and so people think of him as as someone that can carry and, and put up big yardage, and he, he's a pounder, but he's super quick as well, and he can catch the ball. So. I don't see a lot of hear a lot of discussion about Taylor, but someone's going to get a bargain there. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be kind of that that Derrick Henry second early second round sort of guy, just because I, I don't and I don't get the running back value. One year I feel like the value is so high, but these guys put up similar numbers. Like I don't get how. I guess it's all just on tape. But one thing about Taylor is he's one of the only guys to run under a four four at that weight. He's the other guy. Is uh, Saquon Barkley. So at being <laughs> over 225 pounds, he's the only guy with Saquon Barkley to run under a 4-4, which I know he was only just under a 4-4, but it shows just what a significant athlete he is. The only problem that he has, which is what NFL teams are going to look at a lot, he's not a great pass protector, which could hurt him. But yeah, I see this guy being a bargain for someone too. I, I can't believe how much they devalue running backs in the draft. Yeah, it's definitely the case, isn't it? And, and it depends what, what scheme he fits into that's going to be perfect for him. But the other one, just on the defensive side, Isaiah Simmons, a lot of people watching him, a lot of pressure on him. And it was pretty impressive what he ended up doing there, 439, 40-inch 40, 40 vertical. Um, and he tested really well in a whole bunch of other areas. So, you know, he can play a few different – he can put his, put his hand on the ground as well. So, you know, he's going to be a great player. Anyone looking for a defensive, just a beast you can build your, your team around, he's probably the man. The thing that worries me with him, and I know he's got the better pedigree, but who was the guy that came out of Michigan a couple of years ago? The Giants got him. They just traded him to uh, – sorry, the Browns got him and they just tra- they traded him in the Odell Beckham trade. What's his name? The safety. Um, 
Oh, it's doing. My, it's going to do my head in. Oh, I know oh, the, uh, no, the. He was a safety slash linebacker sort of thing. Um, a good good kick returner as well. I can't remember his name. It's killing me, but uh, yeah, he he kind of reminds me of him in the fact that is he a bit too much of a tweener? Like, is he got? Has yeah. he got a genuine position? That that's what worries me. Possibly, and again, depends on scheme. But in the three four, he's probably going to be okay at that outside linebacker position. But as far as a, a speed rusher you're expecting that he's going to get to the quarterback so often. And that's that's everything now, right, on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I don't know. I, I have good faith he'll end up okay. But I know what you mean. I, you've seen it time and time again of tweeners not working out in the NFL. But then you never know. You might just get someone who's who's able to to convert that sort of half half and half position into something that, you know, is, is really dominant in the NFL. Probably like a Brian Urlacher. I know a terrible, terrible example for the exact player, but a guy who came in as a safety ended up being a linebacker and could play also kind of across the defensive line as well. Yeah, look, Brian Urlacher is one of my all-time favorite players. He's just so good. Uh, yeah, he's certainly... There are lots of guys that come in as safeties. And, and the NFL now, it's it's kind of developed. It used to be, you know, if you were, if you were a hard-hitting safety, you kind of moved to linebacker. But there's this new position which kind of started with with Dion Buchanan when Bruce Arians was coaching the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and they call it the money linebacker. So it's basically a linebacker, a safety, a corner, all rolled into one that can do a little bit of all of it at, at a high level. And that's what they think Simmons is going to be. And there's certainly no reason to think he won't be that. I'm just that that's just my only concern for him right now is, you know, you know, can he be effective in that area? Um, for the life of me, I can't even find on the on the Giants roster <laughs> that player. It's going to do my head in, but that's all right. Um, the other guy I, I wanted to mention in terms of uh, winners, Tristan Wirfs, the OL out of Iowa. Um, this was a guy who most people had going certainly in the first round, but you know, kind of top fifteen. But he smashed every single drill. Um, this guy could play guard, and that's what that's what's been the call for him. Is that he because he's three hundred and twenty pounds? Is is he athletic enough to play tackle? But I think this has put him back in the target zone for teams needing tackles. I think they're going to be teams that would be happily ha- that would happily take a chance on this guy being a tackle. And I, I think he's a top ten pick now for sure. I think he's really helped himself. I remember who you were thinking of. It was Jabril Peppers. That's that's it. it. It's a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good example of that situation not working out. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, as a tweener, he, he wasn't able to do it. But I suppose, you know, the influence of the tight end in schemes so much now, more you need a linebacker or safety to be able to cover a quick tight end and then also running backs. That's why these sort of hybrid players may become more prominent on the defensive side of the ball in the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, and that's why they, they need these guys that are that can play multiple positions. That's just the nature of the NFL now. If you have a guy that's that's hovering around the line of scrimmage that can blitz, cover a slot receiver, cover a running back, play the run, and drop deep and and do everything, um, that's a guy that you don't ever know. Like a, a great example, a, a great way of a guy like this working out is Derwin James, who the Chargers picked a couple of years ago. He was injured a lot last year. But he was an All Pro in his rookie year. That's kind of the best case scenario, I think, for Isaiah Simmons is, is a Derwin James. And 
I would love to see the Chargers get him and have those two playing together, just thinking how dynamic that defense could be. Um, you know, then with Bosa and Ingram and that sort. Um, that, that, that's the thing. It changes offenses when you've got a guy that you just literally do not know what he's going to do on any play because he can do anything. Yeah, absolutely. I think across the board, there's pretty much depth at every position in this draft. Just just thinking about it coming up, and and it's if you if you have a specific need, you've got to go for that need as much as they usually think of the best player at that particular position in the draft, right? So I think it's going to be interesting to see how teams position. And this is why it's been fascinating watching. Um, you know, a lot of the draft shows recently in ESPN and, you, you know, all, all the draft boards, the mock draft boards are fascinating because it's all over the place. There's not a lot of consistency with all of it other than the number one pick and then probably the number two pick. Yeah, well, you'd have to think it's – unless a trade happens, it's going to be Burroughs, um, Chase Young. Like, I just can't see any world where it's not those two, one and two. Phenomenal one year to get drafted, though, isn't it? Have you ever seen a guy maybe being from the seventh round one year and number one overall the next year in the draft? It's it's incredible, incredible twelve months for one player. Yeah, and you sort you get to know in a couple of years whether or not it was it was right. Yeah, the, the thing is, have you ever? It's not very often you see a quarterback win a Heisman and a national championship in the same year and play as well as he did. Like that doesn't happen very often either. So. Oh, actually, it happens a bit, I guess. But yeah, coming from a guy who was who was pretty, you know, a bit of an afterthought, a late round flyer sort of guy, he certainly jumped up in value. Yeah, and I mean, Cincinnati just they have they had to, they had to make a decision to take him, and it's good that he's not going to shirk that. It, it, for a few days there, it kind of felt like we could have another Eli Manning type situation on our hands. Uh, John Elway as well, the two guys that that did want to go elsewhere on the day of the draft. But it's good that I suppose he is an Ohio kid, yeah. that he's actually going to play for the Bengals. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's a great story. And I, I really do hope it works out because I think the Bengals need that sort of that sort of good luck. They need someone to come in and turn it around from a young guy. And again, Ohio, it's going to help with the fans. It's just going to be nothing but good for them if they can um, turn him into a good player. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll just quickly discuss. There was... And this is, it's kind of died off. If, we, if we'd done the podcast last week, if my computer hadn't died on me again, um, we would have talked about you know the CBA and what they're going on at the moment. They're trying to get it basically overturned. They want to make it a 17-game regular season. The players or the, the high-end players aren't up for it. They don't like it at all. They don't want to play more games, which I guess we can all understand why. Do you, It's been passed by the owners. They're just waiting for the players to vote on it. It is a fair pay increase for the the vet minimum or the you know the, the bottom line players, which I think and, and the rookie contractor players, and I think it's almost sixty percent of the league are on rookie contracts or vet minimum. So that's that's the majority of the league. Do you think this one gets passed? Do you think we're going to have seventeen games next year? I think it will, but I think the the momentum, the negative momentum that has been drawn up by guys like Aaron Rodgers, you know, who who have sort of spoken so. Um, outwardly against this CBA deal will cause some headaches for it to go through, but it will eventually force its way through because that extra game is worth so much to the NFL. Removing the two preseason games, no big deal. But I think, as you mentioned before, there's not really an incentive for those higher-end players when it comes to that because they don't typically play the preseason games anyway. And I think... The other part that probably some of those high-end players are looking for is a little bit more time in the off-season. 
they know they've got the money to support themselves to be in programs of their own in the off season, whether it be in Florida or California, working at IMG or personal trainers that they're, they're, they're spending thousands to, to, to train every single day with. Um, but the average run-of-the-mill guy, the guy that's come out in the fourth round is just hanging on to his roster spot each year. He's trying to get every cent he can. And if this means another 90 grand, another 100 grand, that's 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 money to these guys, and they're going to want it. And that's the majority of the league. And with the backing of all the owners, I can't see it not passing. No, and I guess it, there is a lot, as you said, there's a lot of stuff for the preseason. It is less padded practice and all that sort of stuff, which the veteran players do like. They're trying to appeal for them there. And you also, they lose a preseason game, and people are arguing, well, they, you know, they're losing a game in the preseason, so what does it matter? They're, but a lot of those high-end vets, they only will play you know, week three of the preseason for the first quarter or half, they or not at all. So um, to, you have to understand for those players, they don't actually care about the preseason because they don't play in it. It's nothing to do with them. So um, I, I did find it humorous. Like obviously Aaron Rodgers and that all came out. And then, you know, the, the Pouncey brothers came out and said, you know, young guys, we'll, we'll look after you. Don't worry. Don't be, don't be tricked by that extra 90K. We'll look after you. And you sit back just thinking, when have you ever looked after anyone? Like some of the comments yeah, these guys are making. It, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's no incentive for them to to actually, um, you know, it, it's complete. It's it, what it is. It's peer pressure, is what it is. Hundred percent. I tell you what, just 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 a side little funny note to this is mm. how much is this going to mess with your fantasy research at the start of each season? I mean, you use those preseason games to sort of get a read on players. If you have to make those calls early. It's going to be a little bit more difficult to get the right mix of players, don't you? Yeah, and the other thing is, what about records? Like, you think how close, especially passing and receiving yards, how close these guys are getting to breaking, you know, the the records every year. This extra game, because like you think a lot of the time, the quarterbacks that are close to those records probably won't play like the last couple of games because they might be in a, in a position where they've already won the division or the number one seed. This is going to change everything. That extra game could it could mean a lot of records fall. And then how do you value that? Like, is it just become like a new record because it's a 17-game season now? Yeah, I mean, they used to talk about records that were that stood earlier when there was 12-game seasons and 14-game seasons and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it kind of becomes a, a moot point when you've got that extra game. Um, you're going to see these these records tumble all over the place. I, I, know, it's interesting, and I know we're going to talk about this in a second, but, but we've got two quarterbacks who had over 5,000 yards last year it's only been done eight times in the history of the game, and two of them might not have been playing for their team next year. So it's it's become you know the, the the big yardage and all that. Sometimes it's not always a gauge of whether or not a player is going to stay or, or be successful at a team. No, absolutely not. There's been you know a lot of players with high yards. Like you look at an outlier of a season, Matt Ryan, his MVP year, you know led the league in passing yards, and you know you look at before that and after that, he's been a very good player, but nothing like he was that year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like we get caught up in talking about a lot of this stuff all the time. Is is the yardage and, and how much someone's throwing for, and, and that's the, you know that's such an example of Jameis Winston. But the three things that always like this is pretty basic stuff. But the three things that always indicate uh, a team success in American football is uh, turnover ratio, third down percentage. And red zone percentage. 100%. Those three things are always the factors that really, really 
indicate whether or not you're going to be a successful side. And I think if you're looking at purely quarterbacks, the big one for me when you see the you know the top quarterbacks, it's completion percentage. It's being able to complete passes now and and your average. If you can complete a lot of a high higher amount of passes for a good average, you're a productive offense. Um, you look again. Jameis Winston's a prime example from last year. He's a guy that had a you know a pretty high average, but his completion percentage was pretty low. It was just volume. It was pure volume yardage, which made their offense not that productive and not that consistent. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's interesting when you're looking at quarterbacks and trying to make these massive multi-million dollar decisions. That's going to tie you to this guy for years and years, and it's going to be your legacy if you take a Johnny Manziel or if you take you know a Drew Brees. You know, like you you just you you know that there's these are great players in college, but do you do you have all the the ingredients to make it in the NFL? And so much of it is right, is accuracy. It's throwing into windows and your mind being able to make those decisions at a shorter shorter period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a great segue into our into our next segment, which is the quarterback carousel. What we're going to do is we're going to go through basically the free agent quarterbacks and a couple of guys that aren't quite free agents but could become free agents. Um, we're going to go through and just discuss them um, and where we think they may land. And this is a hot topic at the moment. And one I want to start with um, is a guy who's actually the only guy on this list who's not a genuine free agent, but it's Cam Newton at the moment. And the talks are whether should they bring him back? Should they cut him? Should they try and trade him? Where, where, where do you land on this one? I think it's really hard to, to see him leave Carolina. I think they're going to have to have to keep him because obviously, like you said, not a genuine free agent, but you know, I still think that it feels like they they want to keep him, and yeah, I mean, I know this this has been two really awful seasons, but he's still an NFL MVP. He still took his team to the Super Bowl, and if he could just get his body right, I st- I think he's the kind of guy that can come back and and be successful again. Um, I think they'll keep him. I don't think there's a, there's there's any way that he'll leave Carolina. No, I, I tend to think as well, and I believe there's a there's a fairly big um, cap hit on him as well. I think like if they let him walk, they they take a cap hit of like twenty one million dollars. So you're right. There's just no need to trade that. There's no need to put your team in that sort of hole. He's a good player. I think if you sit back honestly as a Panthers fan and the, the organization, which they do a lot, they will sit back and you know genuinely look at what they think the team's position is. Um, your best chance is if, with a rejuvenated Cam Newton. That, and that's kind of your only chance of getting it done with the roster they've got, considering they lost Luke Kukli in the offseason. Um, you know, you kind of need that figurehead guy, that standout guy. And I think your best bet is to hope that it's Cam Newton alongside Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I suppose the hard thing is like, have you had examples like this where a player's gone downhill and played so poorly yeah, with with a bad body for for two years and then turned around and come back and been a super success? It's kind of hard to think of anyone that really fits that bill, you know, in the last say ten years. And so that's that's the big question for Newton. His uh, his shoulder, you know, can he actually get back to to what he was? And he can't run as much as he can anymore. So I don't think the Panthers will be a, a super successful team next year, but I think they'll stick with Newton. I think they have to. And it's next year's the last year of his deal as well. So you can play out next year. He'll be 31 comes into the year. You've got no pressure on to bring him back. If, if they cut him, they would eat $21 million. So unless they can trade him, which I don't think with the free agent market, there is any way anyone's going to trade for him. I just don't see that happening with, with the guys that are available. Um, and then the other thing is they don't really have anyone else to go behind him because 
Allen looked terrible last year. I know people liked him at first, but he wasn't a very good quarterback. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think he plays in Carolina next year. And I'm actually predicting – I think he plays pretty well. I'm actually hoping he comes back and, and, and plays well for him. Yeah. What do you think about Philip Rivers? This is, this is probably the guy we're going to talk about next because this is sort of the, the one everyone's really curious about, you know, where – he potentially could go. I, I don't. I don't like this choice for any team, to be honest with you. I, I don't know why. I just think that um, you bring you bring this guy in, and I've got a bad feeling you, you're just going to be set back another year, yeah. no matter who you are. I've been thinking about all the places he can land: the Colts, the Bucks, are the really obvious ones. But I don't know. I just I, I'm not sure at his age and what he's done in the last sort of year and a half. I, I think he's at the end, and I think he probably should retire. I, that's where I. That's where my gut's telling me he's going to end up. I think he's going to end up retiring. But if he does go again, I really only see one spot, and, and you mentioned it, and it's the Colts. And the only reason I see this is because they've got a really good team around him. If they re-sign Anthony Costanza, their left tackle, they bring back the same offensive line. Obviously, you know we all know how good Quentin Nelson is. That offensive line's really good. They run the ball well. Last year, they had injury problems, but... Don't you just want to see Philip Rivers with time to pass the ball just one more time just to know that he's done? You, you, you set that up really well. I mean, I think the Colts do have all the pieces to make at least, say, the AFC championship game. I think, I think that, that's, that's sort of the, the, the spot that they could eye getting to next year, even in that division. And I reckon, like you said, if they get their, their line um, fully healthy, their defense is good, they've got a running game, They've got good, decent receivers. They probably would like one more receiver if they could if they could get someone. And well, there's probably got, a bit of they've got the most cap. They've got that opportunity. The most cap in the NFL right now. Yeah. they've got the potential to spend big in free agency this year and make a genuine run at it. Yeah, and that's some that's a choice you have to make. I think the coach is the perfect fit for, for Rivers as well. Mm. Um, but didn't you think he really stunk at the end of last year though? I he mean, did. I, I know he's, yeah, there's always there's always reasons and excuses, but it just it looked like a guy that was at the end. Yeah, look, he, he was terrible. Don't get me wrong. He was really bad late in the year. He also... So, the only year that Philip Rivers has had a top half in pass protection of an offensive line, so in terms of, like, protection, sacks, all that sort of stuff, which is, is some on the quarterback, but, you know, he's a slower guy. The offensive line was one year. I think it was 2007 was the only year he had an offensive line rated in the top half of the league. And his numbers have been great, and he's played great. So you look back at those stats. Everyone knows I'm a big offensive line guy. I just and like don't get me wrong. I'm not confident. I don't think Philip Rivers is going to get into the Colts and win the MVP and they're going to win the Super Bowl. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. But something in me, like Eli, to me is done and he's retired and uh, he was done. You've seen enough out of Eli. I just want to see Philip Rivers one more time with maybe a really good offensive line and a really good offense around him. Like, you think last year, you know, Melvin Gordon held out on him early in the year and Eckler played well, but it was still a star player missing, that injury problems. At one point, they had, like, their fourth-string guard and their third-string guard starting for a four- or five-game stretch. This guy had no chance. And, yeah, he played badly, but he was under pressure and he was desperate and he was trying to make plays. And the other thing I think we're skipping on is if it's the Colts, Jacoby Brissett wasn't much better than him down the stretch. So maybe take the chance. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right about that. So Yeah, that's a great stat. So, so only once, how, how long? Once in 15 years. Yep, 
as his offensive line in his career. In his career, yeah, he's had an offensive line in the top, rated in the top half of the league. So that's the top sixteen teams. And I think the year he did it, it was only like they were only rated like thirteen or fourteen. They weren't even that good, um, which is nuts. And you think of those years, they had Ladainian Tomlinson. Yeah, and that's I heard I heard it on um I've got what it might have been the Ringer NFL podcast the day I was listening to it that they brought that up because um, one of the guys on that is super into offensive line and I remember hearing it and just being like that is just such a stat so that's why I, d- I just want to see him one more time and I I want him to land somewhere good but if it's not the Colts like if he lands in he lands in Tampa Bay or something like that I think that's just could be the worst ending to his career but if he lands at the Colts with good coaching a good team around him. It could be a really nice one, maybe two years to to round out his career, and who knows? Maybe he steals that Super Bowl like like um pa- like Peyton Manning did in his last year. Maybe he just steals it with a really good team around him, and you know everyone looks at Philip Rivers in a different light. <laughs> that's that's pretty fairy tale stuff for sure on that one. Do you think he makes the Hall of Fame? No, no, I, I I can't sit there and be a guy who said that have said that Eli Manning shouldn't, and I can't sit there with a straight face and say that um, Philip Rivers should. I think he's been a better quarterback than Eli Manning, but unfortunately, he doesn't have the Super Bowls, and he had great teams. Like he had Ladainian Tomlinson for for a big stretch. Yeah, he had terrible coaching in that time, but you know he had his opportunities, and they failed a lot, and that's going to be. That's going to hang over him his career. I, I just don't think he's in the hall of really, really good, but I don't think he's a hall of famer. Okay. What about um? So that, so that leads us this, this this next one on the list here, Taysom Hill. Yeah, this is a good like, one. Like he, he's he's one that is a complete um, anomaly. Like like how can you really? You know, it, it's fa- fascinating. I looked back on his biography and just going back to, I had no idea that he was actually a, um, he was a missionary. He was a Mormon missionary that came down to Australia. He I didn't spent know that. a year in Australia. Knocking on doors and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 he was. So, And then he ended up going to BYU when he was 21. So he's way older than you think he is. Oh, he's yeah. 28, 29 maybe. This is and, his first and last contract. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and and... How do you know what he is? I mean, you've just seen like <laughs> he's had some of the most unbelievable um, single plays by a player, but it doesn't mean anything. I mean, how, how does anyone know what his true value is? I think it's a massive risk, no matter what. But I think it's there's not only... a risk if you bring him in as a backup. But he sounds like he really wants to be a starter. I think the only team that genuinely understands his value are the Saints. I think that they're the only ones that know it. And if I was Taysom Hill. Because I think we'll get to Bridgewater later, but I think he's gone. If Drew Brees, from all reports, is coming back, probably on a one-year deal, if I was Taysom Hill, I would re-sign, and they're going to give him a good contract. I would re-sign and wait for Brees to drop because if you leave, you might get a bigger contract if you leave and, and, and take a chance as a starter somewhere. But no other team in the league understands what you can do like the Saints. You've had success there. Stay there, ride it out, and from all reports, um, Peyton wants him to end up being the starting quarterback. So, that I think that's the only team that can truly value him. Every other team, it is a massive risk because if you're signing this guy and he's coming in as your starting quarterback and you don't have any other options, and then it doesn't work out, you then don't know how to use him in the other role. Like it's easy just to say, oh, he can do all this other stuff, but. He's also behind you know, being coached by one of the greatest offensive minds the game's ever had in Sean Payton. So, you know, how much is that Payton making it work and how much is that Taysom Hill? He's an extremely good athlete, but 
he's got to be schemed to do this stuff, and that's what Peyton does really well. I just think he for him, and I want him to return to the Saints, and I think Breeze is going to return too, and I think they're going to drop off. I, I really do think that. I think Taysom Hill's value is all with the New Orleans Saints. I think you're right. And and what you might see is him probably working into the offense a little bit more and continuing to build um, some of that those, those plays that you see um, so frequently on third down. So you're going to see a lot more of him, and he may even start a couple of games. They might just throw him in there um, to freshen up Breeze as the season goes on. And they should still be a good team beyond that. So I think you're right. I think he's going to stay. Um, the biggest question, as you know, the next one on your list, and this is sort of the... This is the one that probably is the is the chain reaction to everything is, is Brady. Yep. So, you know, we haven't – it's weird. There really hasn't been a whole lot in the last two weeks to go by on this. Um, and, and you know, you, you, we, we can speculate about the idea of, you know, L.A. And, you know, it almost feels a bit like the, the, the Posh and Beckham type of scenario. You know, they go out to L.A. and they start a production company and – He's making movies and, and, and playing in the NFL for the Chargers, but I just can't see him playing for a team like that. No. He's, he's, he's obsessed with winning. He's obsessed with success. And if he doesn't believe that, you know, they've got the pieces or the coaches to be successful, I just can't see him playing for them. And that's the thing, like the Chargers, for the exact same reason I said about um, Philip Rivers, why would Tom Brady want to go there and be destroyed in the last year of his career with no pass protection you know, I just think that would be an awful move for him. I, I, I genuinely think we see Tom Brady on the Patriots, or he's retired. I just, I don't see him playing for another team. And I know, you know, the Raiders are offering him all this money. You have to understand, Tom Brady is a guy that's not driven by money in any way because his entire, he, he, he will never have to worry about money. His kids will never have to worry about money as long as they live because his wife's one of the most successful supermodels the world's ever seen, and. He's been playing on a discounted rate for the Patriots for the past decade. So why would money become his thing now when he's won all the Super Bowls, he's got all the money? I don't understand. I think I think you're 100% right. He's driven by winning and winning only. And unless someone comes in and shows him, um, you know, maybe that he can go and win somewhere else and they, they come in with the plan, this is how we're going to do it. And then he might get that, that itch to go, what if I go and win one without Balachek? And I set myself in a different echelon for not only NFL, but sports people ever. Like, he would be the hero of any sports league ever if he went off and won one without, without Bill Belichick. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, that's an interesting point. I mean, you think of sort of people who, who have done that, that that really stand out in, in sport, and you're sort of thinking of the guy who was able to win it at two different teams, you know, and you know, certainly Peyton, we talked about Peyton, and that's his big rival, was able to go to another team. Albeit, yep. you know, he was forced out of, of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. but to win a Super Bowl later in his career at a different franchise. I mean, that that is a big mark of, a, of, of someone who's been able to come into a, into a system, still built for them, but different place, different everything, and being able to win. It's so, there's so few of them that have done it. Uh, and so I think that may be a factor, but... Yeah, I think we're going to see him play one more year with the Patriots. I think I think it'll all end this year, and I think he'll be demanding that they move as much as they can to try and get this offense better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I tend to agree. Or he's retiring. I think that's the only way I can see it. Let's get to my man, Dak Prescott. I'll just come straight out and say there's no way the Cowboys let him get off their roster. He will be franchise tagged. He will be playing for the Cowboys next year. Um, we have all the cap. There's no reason why to bring him back. It's the same way I feel about Amari Cooper. 
both of those guys are going to be playing for the Dallas Cowboys next year. I just I can't see where, where it doesn't happen. Prescott's played too well. Um, this is the guy that basically came in as a rookie, made Tony Romo expendable in the space of six games, um, then dropped off for a couple of years and then absolutely turned into one of the you know the better quarterbacks in the league last year in terms of yardage and whatnot. And I've watched every game of his career and last year he was playing on a different level and I would be genuinely gutted if they did not bring him back and I just don't see a world where it happens. Well, why is this this the case though? So, I mean, don't you think this is, is kind of bizarre for Jerry Jones? I mean, if you go back years and years, Troy Aikman gets the massive contract, Emmett Smith doesn't, you know, and he locks in Tony Romo. He's always had a thing for locking in his guy, the quarterback, but he hasn't. It's it's taken so long, and it seems so strange how it's how it's played out. I mean, Dak is is a sensational player, and he is the guy that should win their next Super Bowl, but. It hasn't been handled very well. It doesn't seem like it's been handled very well at all, does it? No, and I can tell you 100% what they're doing, and they'll never say it, but they they don't want to set the market. They don't want Dak Prescott to set the market because that could be the worst thing that can happen to them. They are waiting for one of these other dominoes to fall, and it may be... Because, you know, what what, what Prescott's party would be hoping is, right, this this rumor that they're going to give, you know, that the Raiders are going to give Tom Brady a $60 million contract because they can afford to do it for one year... That's what they will be hoping because then they can turn around and go straight up to the Cowboys and go, we want $40 million for Dak Prescott right now or we are walking. That's 100% what they're waiting for. They're waiting for the dominoes to fall to see where the value comes because one, the Cowboys don't want to be the team that jumps Russell Wilson and sets the market so everyone else can then establish around him. But And they, they, don't, they are terrified of overpaying because they just came off and I love Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's a terrific running back. That contract is going to bite them in the ass because it's a terrible deal for a running back, and they're just terrified of that happening well, again with the quarterback. I think I think that that was kind of that's kind of what I, my point was. I, I'm surprised that Zeke got the contract in the end that he did with, you know, the sketchy background, um, the way running backs seem to be growing on trees, the way you can change your system when you get a different type of running back, and quarterbacks are still the highest currency of any position in the game. And he, he sort of went against what he's always done, which is reward the running back over the quarterback. It just didn't make sense to me a year ago, and it doesn't make sense to me now. Because I, I, what you're saying is absolutely correct. Um, they are waiting to set you know, the market. But I just think it's it's strange. It's out of character for Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I agree. And look, I just think... My, I made my like I. I said people know I love Ezekiel. I think he's a terrific running back. He's one of the best in the league easily. Um, but the bottom line is, and them signing him made me happy because it may, means I can watch him play on my team, which is good. But if you're looking at every other team in the NFL watching that, and you know, same with the same with the LA Rams, like with Gurley, you look at these contracts and go, why are you paying running backs this money? It's just it's not there. Um, and the Rams have been bitten. I hope the Cowboys don't get bitten from it. I certainly don't think they'll be bitten in the same way as a, you know, an intense drop off as of, you know, production. But I think they could be burnt in another way by Ezekiel Elliott. What you have to understand is he's basically got three years left of guaranteed money. So what they need to do is load up on, they need to load up on Prescott, which they will, and load up on Amari Cooper now with similar front ended deals. Then in three years' time, you can see where you're at. You can see where. You know, you can see where your team at. All your offensive line are under contract. All they've got to do is just focus on the next three years and make all the contracts only count for that. And then after the three years, 
you'll know where you're at with your new coach. You can probably feel comfortable firing a guy going into his fourth year with it if he hasn't had success. And you'll know where your team's at and whether you've got to blow it all up and start again. Okay, well, I think both of us agree that, that Dak is going to... They'll probably do what you're saying there. But what about Winston? We talked about him earlier. So he's... You know, he's really difficult to figure out in this whole carousel as well. Yeah. Um, the, the huge interception ratio, the massive amounts of yards. He played with some good receivers, but it had a lot of other problems um, on offense as well. So if they're not committed to him, which it sort of seems like they aren't from the comments made by Arians at the uh, NFL Combine, mm. where can you see him going? Well, this again, the, the next few guys we talk about are really guys that you're waiting on to see what everyone else does. Really, like I could see, like I, I could see a world where, like, so, so I, I don't think Prescott would leave, but say he gets, say someone comes in and just swoops and steals Prescott, I could see Winston ending up at the Cowboys. Like that, it'll be the kind of thing like crap we've missed out on our guy, who's the next best. Well, let's take a flyer on Winston. But I, I think the truth here will come with with Bruce Arians. I think Bruce Arians wants him back. I think Bruce Arians owes him the opportunity to come back. I know we saw the comments at the Combine where they asked, you know, do you want to bring him back? And he quite honestly said, yeah, of course we do, but I want to see what else is out there first. That's exactly what every team is going to do with Jameis Winston. He is going to be that first guy from the second tier of quarterbacks that'll go. Um, and honestly, I don't think that I don't think that Tampa Bay is that attractive a place for a quarterback that one of these free agents want to go there. I don't think they land a Rivers. I don't think they land a Brady. They don't get a Prescott. They don't get a Taysom Hill. They don't get any of these guys. They certainly don't get a Breeze. And they're going to end up just going, all right, Winston, come back on a one-year, one you know, kind of $30 million prove-it sort of deal, and let's see what we've got at the end of the year. Probably not a bad not a bad theory. I mean, the, the other the other team that sort of is, is acting a little bit strange at the moment is the Redskins talking about potentially upgrading their, their quarterback position after taking... Dwayne Haskins in the first round just one year ago. So it's like, what are they thinking? Do they, are they sort of doing the whole thing as well, positioning, thinking potentially one of these big ones could come in? Um, but, it, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they've suddenly entered the market for a quarterback as well now. Yeah, well, and that's what happens when you have a coaching change because Ron Rivera's probably come in and gone, you know what, I've watched his tape and I'm not, I'm not sold on him. And maybe he wasn't sold on him coming out of college. You, you don't know what his feelings are. I know with the Redskins, what I think they're going to try and do is similar to what the Dolphins did with Rosen. Uh, sorry, what the Arizona Cardinals did with Rosen. Maybe try and you know move him out for a second round, maybe a late first rounder, and then use that to roll up into that number two pick and try and get a guy like Tua. I think that's that's probably the move they try and make. I don't see them going after a free agent. Or maybe they take a flyer on like a, a Bridgewater or something like that. I, I don't... I don't. If you're a, if you're a team that's worried, because I think the big thing with Haskins was his turnovers. So if you're worried about a quarter a quarterback for turning it over too much, Winston's not your answer. <laughs> not at all. So I, I just I, look. I honestly think Winston ends up back in 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 Tampa Bay. I don't see I don't see anyone else wanting to go to Tampa Bay, and I don't see Winston really being that wanted by anyone else. Arians will flirt and he'll he'll have some guys visit and he'll go out and he'll see. It's kind of like. You know, when you've got that serious girlfriend and you hit your mid, you know, your mid to late 20s and you're like, yeah, I, I think she's the one I want to marry, but I just want to go and flirt with lots of other girls and see <laughs> what else is going on. That's what Bruce Aarons is doing. He just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to nail himself down yet before he flirts with everyone else at the party and then goes, you know what? Nah, this is, I'm going to marry her. No, I, I'm, I was right the first time. <laughs> I'm sticking with my original call. I'm going to marry her. 
<laughs> I think he's not the only one doing that right now. What about um, what about Bridgewater? Because you know he he is possibly a starting quarterback, but maybe he's a really good backup quarterback to say a first round draft pick that's not ready yet. So yep. we talked about Justin Herbert. You know, if he was taken by, say, the Chargers or, or another team, then does Bridgewater, and I know he doesn't want to be a backup, but if he could play straight away and improve himself or, or prove himself that way, it could still give him the stock to be a starting quarterback or be moved on to somewhere else as a starting quarterback. Is that what you see for him? Yeah, I, I think Bridgewater's either going to be, unfortunately, and this is a guy that I, I really like, but he kind of, that injury kind of stuffed his career in a way, and he's done really well. And unless he can try and stay at New Orleans and you know do what taste what I said about Taysom Hill, but that again that's his best case scenario. If I was him, I'd try and get a deal back there and wait for Drew Brees to drop off and just stay in that good position. But I don't think that's going to happen for Teddy. I think he's going to have some suitors. And again, this is going to be teams that miss out. Um, similar but not similar, like Ryan Fitzpatrick last year going to the Dolphins, like that sort of a yeah. You know what? Best case scenario, this guy ends up being really good for us. But worst case, we don't have to put too much money into him. A, a J- Jacoby Brissett sort of deal, like at the Colts, something like that, where you know he's the starter and he's signed as the starter and he's on a you know a decently long term deal, but it's really easy to get out of the contract and he's got a really short leash because you're bringing in someone else young to compete with him. You know, it's I've always thought, and this is a real side detail here, this 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 comment, mm. how fascinating it would be to start a podcast on. Backup quarterbacks, quarterbacks that have been in this carousel, because their 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 sporting life journey is the most fascinating journey of any individuals you'd find in sport. They're super high profile when they're playing, but they're constantly being berated and they're constantly moving around. You think about Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I mean, what a career, right? And even talking to a guy like Bridgewater who thought maybe at one stage he was going to be a superstar, and it just hasn't worked out. And and the timing of it. Everything often can be big problems for players as well. And probably the next guy on your list is a real fascinating one as well because, like, are you convinced the Tennessee Titans believe in Ryan Tannehill? Uh, I am. I am. But I think the the biggest thing the Tennessee Titans decision make, I think they bring back Tannehill and it might be on a tag for a year. The biggest decision the Titans have, and this is kind of the package deal, is we all know what the, you know, there's in, in every team there's a truck and a trailer and obviously the truck pulls the trailer. I think Ryan Tannehill is the trailer to Derrick Henry. And they've got to make that decision whether they want to invest in Derrick Henry because he's going to want all the money. He's going to want the Ezekiel Elliott contract. And they've got that tough decision now where they've got to decide is Tannehill... Because if, if they sign Tannehill to a long-term deal, they shouldn't bring back Derrick Henry because that should show that they have all the faith in Ryan Tannehill and they can just insert rookie running back here and try and make and, and make that work. Um, if they bring back Derrick Henry and then franchise tag Tannehill, that's them telling me that, yeah, we like you, Tannehill, but we're not sure. Let's see you do it one more time with this big dreadlock truck pulling you down the field. Let's see if you can do it one more time and then we'll commit long-term. I think, But I, I don't see him going anywhere else. I think he's a Tennessee Titan next year. That, makes, that definitely makes the most sense, for sure. I, I would say he, that's where he's going to wind up. The, the last guy on your list is another fascinating one. So this is he'd be on the podcast if we had a backup quarterback podcast. Yes, is uh, Andy Dalton, right? So he's don't don't you think that he would make a good fit for somewhere like if Brady leaves somewhere yep. like New England, hundred yeah. percent, like a smart guy. <laughs> I feel sorry for Dalton because that year he had a I can't remember it might have been 2013, 14, whatever year it was where 
He was pretty much the MVP at that point, and then he smacked his wrist got smacked at training or something like that, and he just wasn't the same guy from like the third, the, you know, the the third, you know, the th- top back third of the season. He wasn't the same guy, and ever since then, he's just hasn't got it back. And then I feel like the team, like the, the Bengals are an awful, awful football team. They've almost given him zero talent. His best player's been AJ Green, who's barely played the last few years. Um, I think he needs a change of scenery. I thought they treated him like crap last year. I think benching him for guys that basically couldn't hold his jock strap was was a pretty bad way to go. And I know they just wanted to see what they had in those guys, but they treated him pretty crap. And I think he's gone, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head. If he's a perfect, like, all right, we lost the guy we wanted, Let's bring in Andy Dalton. We're a good team. You know, the Colts, what if the Colts don't get, you know, if, if they don't get Phillip Rivers and they go, well, hold on a second, Andy Dalton's available. He's not going to cost us a lot. The ceiling for him is that he's much better than Jacoby Brissett. And the floor is probably that he's about the same as Jacoby Brissett. So maybe let's take a chance on him. I think that's that's where he kind of goes. Yeah, uh, he's he's like you were talking about Rivers before. He's like that to me. I, I would love to see Andy Dalton have one really good season somewhere where the team actually was good and he got support and there was less pressure on him. If he maybe if he came in as a backup uh, and potentially played a little bit more than he than he had to or needed to, uh, that would be a really good story as well. Because he yeah he has been a really good quarterback and I don't think I think he'll retire. A lot of people will forget who he is. And he's only 32 years old. That's that is not old in the scheme of quarterbacks. Like most quarterbacks now, even, I know there's the outliers like Brady and that, but most of them are playing till their late 30s. Like he's got he's got years left. He's he's only he's a year younger than sorry two years younger than Aaron Rodgers. So he's not old at all. He's got plenty of time, and um, you know I I think he's got an opportunity to be really good. And then if it doesn't work out for him and all the guys fall. He'd be a really like high-paid backup, like a Nick Foles sort of situation, where he can land somewhere and then potentially have a chance to do something pretty good. It just feels like everywhere you talk about right now, there's some like almost every you take away Rogers and and Roethlisberger and a few others. It seems like everyone has question marks at their quarterback position. I've got, we could I've... even talk about Jacksonville and, and Gardner Minshew. You brought up Foles, yeah, and it, like. People are sort of speculating that one as well. It's it's an amazing year. It's been the most incredible year for quarterbacks and free agent quarterbacks and the carousel that we're going to see in two weeks' time. What about uh, Andy Dalton going to Chicago to put pressure on Trubisky? He'd, he'd take that job. If, well, if he Tr- landed there, he would take that that quickly. Yeah, I think you're right. I think no matter what, Trubisky goes down in the, in the sixth or seventh week um, – as in goes down, as in he's, he gets benched. So they have to think of another option. They they must be looking to the draft though as well for a quarterback. You would think in that second third round, maybe that's where Jake Fromm goes, the Georgia quarterback. Um, potentially he he could he, he kind of looks like one of those sort of slow pocket quarterbacks that they've had for years and years and years. So that kind of makes sense. But um, yeah, Dalton could go there totally and 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 succeed. So. There's there's opportunities all over the place this year. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I can't wait. Fredsy starts. We've got the draft. It's it's pre-draft, Fred. No, it's after the draft. So we've got the draft at the end of April, and then um, free agency comes after that. I, I remember, if I remember correctly, have I got my timeline right? Uh, yes. Well, you, there, there's a there's a non-tampering period oh, uh, yeah. at the that's supposed to be right now, yeah. and then then discussion can actually happen. So we'll start to see more information flow out, and I think commitments will come from guys like Brady really soon. Yep. Um. So it, it allows the Patriots to 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 plan, but um, 
yeah, I mean, it, it's, it feels like we've got a long long way to go until, until the, the heart of the off-season. Yeah, absolutely. Look, that's going to do us for tonight. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning into the show. Tyson, thanks for making your first co-hosting duties on the NFL podcast. Man, I had a blast. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you having me. And uh, any time, if you ever need me again, uh, uh, let me know. This will, as I said, as I said when we did our interview, this will not be the last time you're on this show, mate. So we'll get you back. And um, everyone, thanks for tuning in. And you'll hear from us all next week. See you later. Thanks for tuning into the Vault Studio. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to keep up with our video content, head over to YouTube, subscribe, and click the notification bell. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.